so here we are, praise God. And um, we have been uh, trying to work our way through the Bible, looking at each book in the Bible, and uh, our original goal and plan was to take one week per book, um, or to shoot for a goal like that, and it just hasn't, obviously hasn't worked that way. Here we are almost halfway through the year, and not even through the first five books of the Old Testament. And, of course, that's not altogether my fault. Part of that, of course, was delayed a couple of months because of the surgery situation. But we're going to try today to go into the book of Deuteronomy and uh, look at some things here in the book of Deuteronomy. And I know, you know, every year at January, a number of folks make a resolution or a determination they're going to read through the Scripture. And usually it starts getting bogged down about Leviticus. And, and uh, it, a lot of times they never make it through the book of Deuteronomy before the year is out. But there really is a lot in this book that we need to make note of and we need to understand and appreciate and uh, we pointed out uh, last week, as we were talking about the book of Numbers, that the Apostle Paul specifically said that all these things that happened to them during this time of sojourning in the wilderness, during the time uh, from when they left Egypt until they came into the land of promise, the Apostle specifically stated that everything that happened to them happened as an example for us upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so the, these are not books that are to be forgotten nor ignored, but there are important lessons for the church of the living God to be found in these books. Deuteronomy, I'm going to uh, take my text today from Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we'll begin with verse number 6. Deuteronomy 8, verse 6, and read down through verse 11, if you would turn with me there in your Bible. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 6. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive, and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass when thou hast eaten and art full then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this and uh, that is a significant portion of Scripture, 
uh, when you begin to understand what the book of Deuteronomy is really all about. Let us put our Bibles down now and let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and to the hearts of every individual that is in this building. There are people here that need the Holy Ghost today and, and I know God would love to fill them with the Holy Ghost. There are others that are lukewarm. The Lord would like to revive them this morning. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And some of us that are on fire for God, the Lord would like to fan that fire a little bit. Amen. We can all get something out of the word of the Lord this morning. Praise God. Let's pray together, everybody. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you, God, for your goodness. I pray, God, that you would help me today. I'm asking, Lord, for the touch of the Holy Ghost. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would use me, God, for your glory. Lord Jesus, I ask you, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay, that you would speak to me today. God, let the word of God have free course in this service. God, I'm asking you to speak to your people today. Save souls, God, I pray. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord together, everybody. Let's thank him right now. I feel the touch of his spirit here. Amen. Let's thank the Lord. Let's thank the Lord. I love you, Jesus. God, I appreciate you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The, uh, the name Deuteronomy, uh, as odd as that sounds uh, in our uh, English minds is really a compound Greek word, the word deuteros and namos. Deuteros means second, namos means law. And so Deuteronomy means the giving of the second law or the second giving of the law. What it was, it was a repeating of the law of Moses. Uh, and it was necessary, as we talked about last week, because of the evil heart of unbelief there were uh, people millions of people that died in the wilderness and were not able to to inherit the promise of God but there was another generation that uh, at the time of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai were were no older than 20 years old that was the oldest of anybody that was that was present at the time of the giving of the law. And so I submit to you, and, and we talked about last week, that, that at this point they are now uh, again back up into a million something people. And, and so there were a lot of babies that were born after the giving of the law that, that, that were not around when Moses first presented the law of God to the people. And, and so it was necessary, Moses felt, and God felt for Moses to get up and to go back over these things, amen, just before the people entered into the land of promise. Moses wanted to make sure when they got in that land, they knew how to live in accordance with the expectations of God. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and so, uh, so this generation had to be reminded of the commandments that God expected his people to obey. And, and the book of Deuteronomy records for us the last words of Moses. He knew he was about to die. Amen. 
And, and, and I believe that. I, I believe that Moses knew he was about to die. For one thing, he knew that God had told him uh, because of one act of disobedience that Moses would not enter into the land of promise. He was aware of that. He was also aware of what God had said when the children of Israel refused to, in, to uh, go in and possess the land of Israel. Let's read it, Numbers chapter 14, verses 33 and 34. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days, each day for a year, Shall ye bear your iniquities even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. Now this was God speaking. I know this sounds harsh, but it was God speaking. And God told them specifically, when they refused to believe that he could take them into the land of promise, God said, all right, you spent 40 days uh, searching out the land. I'm going to make you wander in the wilderness one year for every day you were there. You're going to spend 40 years. Now, I believe that Moses, uh, amen, believed the word of God. So I've got to think, Brother Owens, that Moses counted down the years. I believe every year that passed, every year when the Passover came and a new year started, Moses was, was marking the calendar and he said all right one down and 39 to go two down and 38 to go amen I believe he was counting down the years uh, until they finally got to that land of promise now when that act of disobedience occurred and Moses smote the rock instead of speaking to the rock and God said you're not going to go there was a different reason for counting down the years hallelujah but, but I, I said all that to say, I believe that Moses knew his days were now numbered. He knew that he was about to be taken from this life. And, and so he knew, I've spent this time trying to lead these people, trying to teach these people. And I don't want to die now uh, until I know that they know what God expects out of them. I don't want to go to my grave wondering whether or not they got it. I want to be certain that they're certain about the commandments of God. And, and so Moses, Moses said, I'm going to tell them again. Now, it wasn't only it wasn't only Moses' decision to do this, but read for me Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. Now Moses is recounting. He said, you the people of Israel, ask this of me. You ask me to go and hear from God and to get a word from God and you promised that if I heard from God you'd obey whatever I told you God said read on verse 28 and the Lord heard the voice of your words God heard what you said when you spake unto me and the Lord said unto me I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto thee they have well said all that they have spoken And God said this is a good thing and I like this Amen. God said, this is a good thing that they have asked. They have said, we want our leader to hear from God and we will obey whatever the leader says God told him. And God said, this is a good thing. 
You know, this is still the way God works today. Ezekiel 33, verse 7. Read that for me. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto I the house of Israel. I have set thee as a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt Therefore, hear the word of my mouth. This is your job description. This is what I expect out of you. Thou shalt hear the word at my mouth. And warn them for, and warn from me. Them from me. Amen. God said, here's your job, preacher. You come and hear what I've got to say, and you tell the people what you heard. Can I tell you this morning, my job is not to make you feel good about yourself. I'm not here to win friends and influence people. I'm not here to let you walk out with a positive mental attitude. My job is to hear from God and to tell you what God has to say. Now, if I do that, if I hear from God and I tell you what God says, your job is to accept it, believe it, and obey it. Romans chapter 10. I know I've given you Old Testament scripture, so let's just go to the New Testament. See if it's changed when we get into the New Testament system. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who, of whom they have not heard? Uh -huh. And how shall they hear without and a preacher? how shall they hear? I want you to, to get your Bible. We're, we're going to look at a couple more verses here that I didn't give you. And, and this is just kind of the way that it works. Romans chapter 10. Um, he, he said, how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, 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 I know, and I know we've got guests here, and I know it'd be so easy for you to misunderstand what I'm saying right now. I'm not here building up the preacher. I'm not here building up myself. I'm just telling you, this is the way God works. This is the way God works. And I know there's a philosophy in, in the world today, in Christendom today, that says, well, I'm a, I'm a child of God, and I can hear from God for myself. I don't need a preacher. I'm here to tell you, you have to have a preacher. I have to have a preacher. It doesn't have to be me, but you've got to have a preacher. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. How shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I want you to go on down. Let's look at verse uh, 16 and 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. They haven't all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our report? Everyone say report. All right. I, Isaiah asked the question, who's believed our report? And that word report means a thing spoken. It, 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 it is a message. Amen. Isaiah said, who believed what I preached? That's what he was saying. That's, that's the Riggin revised version. Who hath believed my sermon? Who hath believed my message? All right, verse 17, read. So then faith cometh so by then hearing. faith cometh by. Now, the King James says hearing. But the Greek uses the exact same word in verse 17 
as it used in verse 16. I know this is a little bit of a problem, but can you put both verses up there for me for just a minute? Both verses 16 and 17. And I want you to look at something here. When he said, who hath believed our report? That word in the Greek is the same word that in verse 17 they translated for some reason, hearing. Faith cometh by the report. Faith doesn't come just by you listening to scriptures. Faith doesn't come just by your own personal Bible study. But faith comes by the report. By the things spoken. I want to tell you there is something that happens when an apostolic preacher gets behind a pulpit. That does a work in our heart and in our spirit that nothing else can do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Now, now, now listen, I mean, there, there, this, is, this is a responsibility here. It's not just faith comes by anything that's spoken by a preacher, but when the preacher's speaking the word of God. But again, it's not just you getting it on your own. I'm telling you, you've got to have a preacher. You've got to have a man in your life that will tell you what God says. Well, I didn't intend to get into all this, but here we are. The book of Acts, we find an Ethiopian man riding along in his chariot, reading the scripture, doing his best to try to comprehend what's written there. And God leads a man of God to that Ethiopian. And he saw him reading the scriptures and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man looked at him and said, How can I except some man explain it unto me? I've long pointed out Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 is a praying man. He's a just man. He's a righteous man. He's a giving man. So much so that God sent an angel to Cornelius. The angel appeared to Cornelius. The angel gave a message to Cornelius. But I'm here to tell you the message was not how to be saved. The angel didn't tell Cornelius what he needed to do except to tell him, go find a preacher. Because that's the way God works. Listen, I, I want to forever dispel this myth that you can just go out here on the mountainside and commune with God and you don't need anybody and you don't need a church and you don't need a... I'm here to tell you, you've got to have a preacher, honey. You've got to have a man that's going to tell it like it is. That's going to point his finger in your face once in a while and say, you need a good praying through. You need to get some things right. You need to go make things right with your brother. You need somebody to tell you what God says. Listen, listen, that's, that's one of the reasons why I keep men coming through here. I've got to be preached to also. You know, help me, Jesus. I've got to get on the book of Deuteronomy. We'll never get through this. But, but, but here's the facts. When, physically speaking, we change so gradually that we don't notice 
our own changes. That's right. I, I remember my, my, my brother commenting to me one time. Uh, I don't even remember what size it was that he, he went and bought a suit. And he, he, he told me, he said, you know, they just, they don't make a 48 like they used to. No, no, they're still making 48s just like they used to. It's just you're not a 48 anymore. <laughs> but we don't notice those changes. But somebody that hasn't seen us in a while. I thought about it last night when, when uh, Brother uh, Jordan walked in the door. I hadn't seen him, and, and I, we were trying to figure 10 years or so. And the last time I saw him, I had to bend down to hug him. And now he has to bend down to hug me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he probably didn't even notice the changes in himself like I noticed them. This is the way it is. We don't see our, spiritually speaking, sometimes we get off course and we don't realize we're getting off course. Sometimes we get carnal and we don't even realize we're getting carnal. We don't see a change in ourselves. We need somebody else to take a good look at us. Well, we need somebody else to open this book and show us what we really look like. Amen. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right to a man. It seems right. It, it seems like I'm doing the right thing. I think I'm going the right direction. This makes sense to me. This feels right to me. But the end thereof, Solomon said, are the ways of death. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It seems right to me. It makes sense to me. How am I going to end up dying over this deal? Because not everything that seems right and feels right and sounds right to you is right. That's why you need somebody else that you can answer to. That's why you need to regularly set yourself on a pew and listen to somebody preach. You need somebody to break open this black back book and tell it like it is. Well, hallelujah. That's, that's just the way God works. That is the way God works. God, I'm telling you, if God's going to go to the trouble to send an angel to a man, you'd think the angel would have just said, repent, be baptized, and get the Holy Ghost, and it'll be all right. But the angel said, go find a preacher. And the preacher will tell you what you need to do. So when he got to the preacher, the preacher said, repent and be baptized and get the Holy Ghost. Well. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm, I'm wading in a little deep here just in my introductory remarks. Amen. I always try to give you an outline of the book for those of you that are taking notes and basically... There are four divisions in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, chapters 1 through 4 deal with a review of the past for these children of Israel. Moses reminding them of where they have come from, of what they have been through. Chapters 5 through 26, uh, which obviously is the biggest portion of the book, are commandments for the present. 
Amen. This, we've seen where we've come from. This is how we got to live now. Then chapters 27 through 30 deal with Israel's future, what will be, what can be, or might be. Really. It, it, it's, there's some choices presented in those chapters. You, you have some choices here. And if you do this, this is what happens. If you do this, this is what happens. But the choice is yours. Amen. It's, it's yours. And uh, we may get into that a little more. We will get into it a little more if time will permit and the Lord is willing. Uh, and then chapters 31 through 34, taking us through the end of the book, uh, deal with the death of Moses and all the things that were uh, involved there. Now, I, I personally like to... Now, that's the official, that's the official uh, outline of the book. But for me personally... I like to categorize the message of Deuteronomy into three divisions. And they're all based upon remembrance. Is everybody with me this morning? They're all based on remembrance. First of all, one of the first things that Moses was trying to instill in the people of Israel was, remember where you came from. You were slaves. You were in bondage. In fact, I'm going to go through these fairly quickly, but I want you to hear how many times God specifically commanded Israel not to forget that they used to be slaves. There's a reason why he's reminding them of their past. But, but I want you to listen to this. Deuteronomy 15, 15. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. Chapter 16, verse 12. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Chapter 24, verse 18. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. Chapter 24, verse 22. And thou, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a, bond, wast a bondman in Egypt. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. Anybody seeing a pattern here? God is constantly saying to them, don't ever forget, you used to be slaves. And, and then isn't it interesting that with every one of these, he says, because of that, I'm commanding you to do this. You used to be a slave, and therefore I command you to do this. I don't want you to forget what you used to be. I don't want you to ever go back to that. So first of all, remember where you came from. Secondly, the second message of Deuteronomy is remember how you got where you are now. Remember how you arrived at this point. Well, well, at what point? Well, they were slaves, but now they're free. But how did they get free? Was it because they freed themselves? Was it because they got smart enough to figure it out? Was it because they saved up enough money to buy their freedom? How did they become free? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments, and his judgments, and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Listen, one thing you better remember, Israel, is that you are free because God delivered you. 
You're not free because you got good enough to get free. You're not free because you got rich enough to get free. You're free because God looked down on you and had mercy and delivered you and you were a slave. It's the hand of God and don't you ever forget it. Deuteronomy 8.18, he says it again. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy remember God. Remember the Lord thy God. For it is he, it's he that giveth thee that power. That gives you the power. To get wealth. To get wealth. That he may oh, 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 dear God, I could preach for a little while. Let me tell you something. Folks tell me, well, you know, I'm a self-made man. No, you are not. If you are, you're a sorry excuse for a man. I'm telling you, if I'm anything, if I ever amount to anything, it'll be because of one reason. Because God looked down and put His hand on me. I'll never become anything outside of what God has allowed in my life. And I'm telling you, God's the one that gives you the power to get wealth. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I don't want to meddle too much today. I want to teach on this book. But I've watched. I've watched, Brother Owens, in my years of pastoring, people come to God in abject poverty, have absolutely nothing. I'm telling you, I've watched it. I, I don't know of any example of this that, that, that is better than than the whole missions work that I did in Colorado for a while. And, every, you know, everybody there, basically, I prayed through to the Holy Ghost. And I, I found them in abject poverty. I mean, they had nothing. And, and they came in, and God cleaned them up. And they began to work hard. And they began to yeah. give to God. And God began to bless them. And they, 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 they as, as God blessed them, they gave more. And, yeah. and the more they gave, the more God blessed and, and it wasn't long until these folks that had been in poverty were now driving new cars and living in nice homes. But I've watched some of those people forget how they arrived at that point. And all of a sudden they think it's because they're hard workers and because they did something good and because, you know, I don't really need God and I don't really need the church. I know how to fix things on my own, honey. I want to tell you, it's God that gives you the power to get wealth. God can take that power away from you. God can take you from being wealthy to being poor in an instant if you're not careful. trying I'm trying uh, where were we read for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth yeah. that he may establish his covenant which which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day yeah 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 it's he, that, it's he it is he and so God said look whatever you do don't forget how you got here you got here because of me and if you forget me, you can end up where you were before. All right, so, so I said there's three, three messages of Deuteronomy, and each of them based on remembrance. Remember where you were. Remember how you got here. And then the third thing is remember where you're going. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whether thou goest to possess it, 
and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater than and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. All right, and, and the Lord thy God is going to bring you into a land. Remember, Israel, this is not all there is. You've got to stay focused on where you're headed. You've got to stay focused on what the goal is. Don't, don't look around at this wilderness. Now, you're better off than you were in Egypt. But don't get satisfied right here. Keep focused on where you're headed. Now, the reason why I like to divide it that way is because God still expects us to remember those same three things. Remember where you came from. Isaiah 51 and 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock. Look unto the rock. When she are hewn. When she are hewn. And to the hole of the pit. the hole of the pit. When she are digged. Whence you are digged. Amen. The hole of the pit where you are digged. Amen. God said, look back and realize how bad you were. Look back and realize what you used to be. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, saints of God, it's easy for us to forget that we were once sinners. And I see this. I see this sometimes. I see saints of God after they've been in church for a while. Some new convert come in and boy, they want to line them up and straighten them out and fix them and clean them. And, and, and they don't remember how long it took for them to get where they are. They forget about what a mess their life was in when they came to God. And they want everybody else to change overnight. But it would do you good to look back at the pit you crawled out of. Now if this offends you, uh, I'm not sorry. I gotta be honest. I'm preaching. I can't, I can't lie to you. I'm telling you, every, I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you've been. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to hear this stuff. Well, I haven't committed murder, and I've never been unfaithful to my spouse, and I've never. I'm not an alcoholic, and I, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to hear that. You're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Do you understand what all means? There are no exceptions to the word all. All have sinned. You, like me, were born in sin. Shapen in iniquity. You came into this world with a sinful nature. And you needed God. And don't you ever forget it. And if you ever amount to anything, it's because God had mercy on you. God wants us to remember how we got where we are right now. Psalm 107 verse 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered and them he out delivered, of their distresses. He delivered them. 2 Timothy 3 verse 11. 
persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them out all, of them all, the Lord delivered the me. Lord delivered me. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God, which giveth us giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, listen, listen. We amount to nothing outside of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. You hear me? We are glorified mud balls. God scooped up the dust of the ground and breathed into it. That's all we are, honey. Now you can doll yourself up and you can put on the finest clothes and drive the nicest car, but you're still just a mud ball. That's it. And if you amount to anything of any value, it's only because God has had mercy on you. And God has been gracious to you. And God has blessed you. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget how you got where you are. Don't forget where you're going. I'm glad this is not all there is. I love living for God. You hear me? I love living for God. I love living for God. 37 years I've had the Holy Ghost. 37 years since I was first baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 37 years I've been walking this way. I love it. I don't want anything else. I'm not looking for anything else. I'm not interested in anything else. I love living for God. But I'm going to tell you, if in this life only I had hope, I would be of all men most miserable. I'm glad this is not the end. I'm glad there's something better that's on its way. The day is going to come soon and very soon when the trump of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up. Remember where you're going. Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. What what a statement. For a man that that was able by the help and grace of God to convert the the overwhelming, uh, uh, at least preach the gospel, not convert, but preach the gospel to, to the overwhelming majority of the then known world. And, and, and saw many converts, prayed people through by the hundreds and even thousands, saw miracles, saw the dead raised, saw healings, saw things happen when he prayed. I, I'm telling you, for a man like that to sit down and write, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. You know, nothing frustrates me more than people who have that attitude. I have arrived. I'm there. I'm all that. Whatever they say now. That's frustrating. Paul said, Paul said forget everything I've done. I'm telling you, I, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I don't count myself to have arrived. 
I thank God for what he's done for me, with me, through me. But this is not all there is. Read. But this one thing, this one I, do, thing I do, forgetting those things forgetting which are behind, those things that are behind and reaching forth reaching into those, things which, those before, things which are before, I press toward the I mark. I press toward the mark for the prize for of the, the high calling of, of God the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus I'm not there yet but I'm headed that way I've got my eyes on a goal I have not arrived but I'm trying to get there I'm telling you, saint of God, if we lose sight of the goal, we're going to fall by the wayside. Amen. Thank God for His touch. Thank God for what we feel today. Thank God for His presence. But thank God there's more than what we've got right now. Thank God there is a place where all my sorrows will be over. All my tears will be dried. All my aches and pains will be healed. Thank God there is a day when death will be no more and time will be no more. Thank God there is a place where we're going to join loved ones that have gone on and we're going to sit at the feet of the one who saved us. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Don't lose sight of where you're headed. Praise God. Don't lose sight. Don't forget where you're going. Amen. Well, let's let's try to try to deal with Deuteronomy here in these next few minutes. Uh, the first division in the outline was the review of the past, chapters one through four. And in these chapters, Moses is uh, getting a little sentimental I guess he's remembering and uh, I remember hearing Elder Westberg say one time he said you know the older I get the more time I spend looking in the rearview mirror the more time I remember what is behind me and Moses now is coming to the end of his life and so he starts remembering and as he remembers, he points out some very valuable lessons that the people of Israel need to learn. They, he, he wants to make sure they got it during these 40 years of wandering. Among those lessons what should have been what should have been a 20-day journey from Egypt to Canaan should have taken them 20 days. Less than one month. What should have been a 20-day journey was a 40-year journey. Now that's quite a lesson to learn. The lesson is, this is what happens when we fail to believe and obey God. I've had people say, well, can somebody be saved doing this? Can somebody be saved doing that? You know, that's really not the question. I mean, it is, ultimately, yes, it, that is the question, ultimately. 
are you going to be saved? But can I tell you that we've got to get beyond just this, well, will this send me to hell? Are you telling me I'm going to hell because of this? We've got to get beyond that mindset. And we've got to ask ourselves, is this going to get me to the goal sooner? Or is it going to slow me down? The apostle said, you know, we, we need to, to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. There are some things that just slow us down. There are some things that are such a distraction in our walk with God. It's not about whether the first time you do this, you're going to go straight to hell, do not pass, go, do not collect $200. It's, that's not what it's about. It's about how is this going to affect your spiritual walk. Is it going to draw you closer to God or is it going to push you farther away? Well, and so Moses wanted them to be sure that they understood the lesson. If God speaks, believe it and act on it right then. Well, thank God for the three people that believe that. If God says it, believe it and act on it right then. Don't wait around. Don't try to reason in your mind. You know, I, I've said this and said this and said this till I'm, I'm tired of saying it. And probably some of you are tired of hearing me say it. But I'm telling you that one of the reasons why we don't see more healings today. One of the reasons why is because people fail to respond at the moment that God is moving. I have seen it over and over and over in my years of pastoring that the Holy Ghost could be moving in a mighty way and, 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 and I mean God just doing things and touching people, doing a work and then when service is over and we've dismissed, some saint comes walking and says, would you pray for me? I'm sick. Why weren't you here a few minutes ago? Why are you dragging down here now that the Spirit of God is lifted? Why don't you learn to move when the Holy Ghost is moving? Why don't you get in tune with the Spirit and know God's doing something? Now's the time to get my miracle. Now's the time to get my answer. Now's the time to get my healing. Right now's the time. Now, I, I'm going to tell you. This is not only true of people getting healed. It's true of people getting the Holy Ghost. I find, again, back to Cornelius, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision were astonished as Jesus came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. While Peter was preaching, the Holy Ghost got to moving. And they didn't wait for the altar call. Right then during the message, they just accepted what was being preached. They believed it. They acted on it. And they got the Holy Ghost. 
Boy, I feel such doubt in here right now. But you can doubt it if you want to. I'm just telling you, I don't care who you are. I don't care what's going on in your life. While I'm preaching this message, you can get the Holy Yes, you. You can get the Holy Ghost if you just believe God and act on it right now. You lift your hands. You repent of your sins. And I'm telling you, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. I said it will happen. Hey, saint of God, you want a healing? I'm telling you, while I'm preaching right now, while God's moving, you don't have to have me anoint you with oil. You don't have to come down here. While I'm preaching right now, the Holy Ghost is in this house. You can get what you want from God if you'll respond right now. We gotta get into the timing of God. We gotta get into the timing of God. Jesus, help me. But instead, instead of moving while the Holy Ghost is moving like that, we'll wait until altar call. Now, can people get the Holy Ghost? Yeah, absolutely. Can they wait till altar call and get Absolutely. Can they wait till after service still get healed? Yes, they can. But it just seems to me we could get to that goal a whole lot quicker if we'd respond while God is moving. Now, another lesson that Moses wanted to make sure they learned and this is a very important lesson as well. There were some nations, as Moses was, was recounting all this in, in, in the first five chapters, first four chapters here of Deuteronomy, there, there were some nations, Moses reminded them, that they weren't allowed to fight. Edom, Moab, and Ammon. God said, don't fight them. Now, why did he say that? Well, Edom were the descendants of Esau, who was Jacob's brother. The people of Moab and Ammon were the descendants of Lot, Abraham's nephew. These people were their relatives. And while God is saying there's a lot of folks out here you're going to have to destroy and conquer as you inhabit this land, there are some folks you keep your hands off of. Because they're family. You don't fight family. You know what happens to a church? Instead of fighting devils, the devil gets us to fighting family. And we start fighting one another. And we start fussing among ourselves. And all the whole time we're doing that, we're not fighting the devil. We're wasting all our energy trying to fight each other. And God said, 
keeping you hands off. You leave your family alone. You leave your brothers and sisters alone. If they've got problems, let God deal with their problems. If they're doing wrong, take it to Jesus, honey. Take it to Jesus. Jesus can bear your burdens alone. Let Him deal with them. Let Him talk to them. Let Him address them. But you fight the devil. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. This is what Paul says. Now I beseech you, brethren, by now, the name of the Lord. No, no, no. The word beseech means to beg. Now, here's this great apostle Paul. The great apostle Paul, through whom miracles were wrought, souls were saved. And here's Paul. Corinth, I beg you. I'm begging you. Can you imagine? He's begging. What's he begging? By I beg you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That y'all speak the same thing. That you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. And that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined that together you be perfectly joined together in the same mind in the same mind and in the same judgment and in the same judgment i beg you i'm begging you corinth please stop fighting among yourselves that's what paul said i'm begging you corinth please stop fighting among yourselves can't you get together? Can't you have church without having a fuss? Can't you just come to church and worship God and forget all these other piddly little problems? I'm begging you, be joined together. So, so you see, they had to learn. Moses, as he's recalling, he's trying to teach them a lesson. You've got to learn who to fight. You've got to learn who to fight. Some people you don't fight. Some people you don't fight. But if you'll fight the ones God wants you to fight, the lesson continues in that if you'll fight who God wants you to fight, you'll always win. Because then you're not fighting your battles. You're carrying out the will of God. Now, there are some battles God wants us fighting. There are some areas where God wants us to be strong and clear. And we have the assurance that if we'll fight where God wants us to fight, we will win. Matthew 16 and 18. And I say also unto I thee, say also unto that thou thee, art Peter. Thou art Peter. And upon this, and rock, upon this rock, I will build, I my, will church, build my church. And the gates and of the hell gates shall, of not hell prevail against shall not Shall not. Shall not. Shall not prevail against it. Hell cannot destroy the church, but the church can destroy the church. 
If we'll fight hell, we'll win every time. If we fight each other, we're going to lose every time. Amen. First John 4 and 4. You're of God, You're little, God children, little children, and have overcome, and have them. overcome them. Because greater because is he that is in you. is he that is in you. Than he that is than in the world. he that is in the world. I'm not worried about the devil. If you're worried about the devil, you need another dose of Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost in me is stronger than all the devils in hell put together. If you don't think so, go back to Mark 5. I did this to you last week, so don't start hollering amen if you don't know what's in Mark 5. In fact, Mark 5 is the chapter we were talking about last week, the one with the issue of blood. But there's another story in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus gets out of a boat and steps onto the shores of Gadara. And here's a man who is possessed with legions of demons. I don't know how many there were in him, but I do know there were 2,000 pigs. When those devils were cast out, the devils went into 2,000 pigs. There had to be at least one devil per pig. And I will resist the temptation to tell you this is the first recorded instance of deviled ham. I resisted the temptation to tell you that. But here, there were at least 2,000 pigs. And, and it, there were 2,000 pigs, so there had to be at least 2,000 devils living inside this man. 2,000 devils living inside this man. 2,000 devils living inside that man. And Jesus Christ steps on the shore of Gadara, and here comes the man, and he says, Why have you come to torment us before our time? Torment us? There's one man against 2,000 devils, and they're worried about being tormented. I said, the Holy Ghost in me is stronger than all the devils in hell put together. I don't have to worry about the devil. God will help me defeat the devil. God will put the devil under my feet. Are you hearing me today? The devil's not what i got to worry about. i got to worry about my flesh. My spirit and my attitude. I'll pray, God will help me defeat the devil. Psalm 34, verse 19, read. i got to hurry. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. The Lord delivereth him out of them all. All right. Chapters 5 through 26, Deuteronomy. Again, the largest portion of this book. These, this, these chapters deal with commandments for the present. And, and, and having, having reminded the people of their past, having told them you used to be in slavery, God delivered you from slavery. He then says, now look, I want you to understand God didn't deliver you out of slavery so you could still act like a slave. Hello, this is an important lesson that the church world needs to learn. 
God doesn't deliver us out of the slavery of sin so we can keep on acting like slaves. He says, God expects some things out of you. It was disobedience and doubt that caused the last 40 years of suffering. And if you don't get the victory over that, it's only going to cause problems in the present and the future. It's not going to change. If you don't get rid of this doubt, if you don't get rid of this unbelief, if you don't get rid of this disobedience... You're going to have problems in the future. Just because you're about to enter into the promise doesn't mean things are changing. God still expects the same thing. Now, understand the picture. For more than 400 years, Israel had been without their own land. And for much of that time, they had been slaves. Now, most recently, they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now, all of a sudden, they're about to settle down in their own land. And so Moses said, you know, there's some things you better beware of when you get to the promised land. Getting to the promised land doesn't mean the battle's over. That's right. Seeing God fulfill His promises doesn't mean... No more fights. You know, we, we're, we're hearing, especially in Pentecost, we're hearing revival, revival. We want revival. We want revival. And we do. We want revival. But some folks have got it in their mind. If we could ever have revival, that means there's no more problems. No. Wrong. It doesn't work that way. There are dangers, even in inheriting the promise of God, there's dangers you have to be aware of. One of those dangers, Moses is laying this out. You're still with me. I know it's, it's getting close to time here. I'm going to try, but, but Moses is laying out to them, you know, one of the dangers, when you inherit this, this land, one of the dangers you're going to have to be careful about You're going to have to be careful that you don't compromise with the current inhabitants. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 through 6. I'm going to show you this. This is all in the Scripture. Neither shalt thou take marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Uh -huh. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their, destroy altars, their altars and break down their, break images, down their images and cut down their, cut groves, down their groves and burn their graven, burn images, their graven with fire. images with fire. For thou art an holy people. Because you're not like the inhabitants of that land. You're different than they are. And don't forget that. Don't go in there and start trying to act like them. Don't try to do what they're doing. You're not like they are. You're a holy people. Unto the Lord thy God. Uh -huh. The Lord thy God hath chosen, chosen thee you to be a to be special, special people unto himself. Special 
unto himself above all above people all the people that are upon that the face of the, the earth face of the earth and 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 the apostle paul i don't have time i've got to hurry through this but the apostle paul warned us of the very same danger in second corinthians chapter 6 Verses 14 to 17, he says, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Communion, uh, what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Uh, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? He said, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's warning us of the same thing Moses warned the children of Israel. Look, just because God's blessing you doesn't mean you can turn around and start living like everybody else lives. And start doing what everybody else is doing. And start trying to become like everybody else is. Another, another danger was complacency because of blessing. Let's hurry through this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 17. We may not read all that. I just want you to get the idea here. Beware that thou forget, forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses uh -huh. and dwelt therein. Right. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied. Uh-huh. Then thine heart then be lifted thine up. Then heart be lifted up. And thou forget, and thou the, Lord forget thy God, the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt uh -huh. from the house of bondage. All right, let's just stop there for right now. I've got to, I've got to cut some of this out. But, but here's what I, I want you to understand. God is saying it's, it's been a long 40 years. In fact, it's been a long 400 years. And you've wrestled and you've fought and you've, you've been through everything imaginable. And now you're about to start getting blessed. And you're going to live in houses you didn't build. And you're going to eat from vineyards you didn't plant. And you're going to get all kinds of blessings. And the thing I want you to be careful of, don't just sit back on your laurels and rest and give up and quit. And say, okay, the blessing's here. Okay, revival's come. Okay, we don't have to do anything else from this moment forward. We're just going to sit here and enjoy what? No, 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 don't you do that. Don't get complacent just because you're blessed uh, a third danger of which he warned them was the danger of false prophets Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 5 if there arise among you a, a prophet or a dreamer of dreams uh -huh. and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. Oh, I mean, he's performing miracles. This guy's performing miracles. Read. And the sign or wonder come to pass. Yeah, he prophesies and it really happens. Whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Right? For the Lord th your God pro proveth because you. Because God is proving you. To know whether you love the Lord your God. To know whether you love God. With, 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 with all, your, all heart your heart and with all your soul. And all your soul. Now, again, I'm going to have to cut some of this out. But I want you to get the picture. Here's what he says. Somebody rises up in the land and he's performing miracles. And he's doing great things. And and multitudes are flocking to his ministry don't you become enamored just because of the miracle you better sit back and listen to the message 
I'm telling you, we got to put more stock in the message than we do in the miracle. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? We better put more stock in the message than we do in the miracle. God said, I'm going to let some men perform miracles. I'm going to let some people prophesy. I'm going to let them say the right things and let it come to pass. But I'm trying to find out how much you love me. Are you in it for the loaves and the fishes? Are you in it for what you can get out of it? Or are you paying attention to what's being preached? You better fall in love with the message and ignore the miracle. He's performing miracles all right, but he's trying to lead you into a false doctrine. He's trying to lead you into a false message. Oh, but the miracles. Oh, but the crowds. Oh, but doesn't matter. What matters is what's he saying? What's he preaching? That's what matters. And, and I'm telling you, we got to beware the same thing. Matthew 7, verse 15, read. Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. Which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they, don't they walk are around ravening with a wolves. Badge. says, hi, I'm a false prophet. Follow me to hell. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh no. No, he'll get him a prime time slot on TV. I mean, he'll get the drive time on the radio program. He'll have crowds following him. He comes in sheep's clothing. He doesn't announce it. He's going to read to you out of the Bible. He's going to quote scriptures to you. But he's a false prophet. Now listen, did Jesus waste his time? Was he wasting his breath? Or are there really false prophets out there that we got to beware of? Well, how do we know a false prophet then? How are we able to tell whether he's a false prophet or not? If we can't judge him by the miracle, what do we judge him by? The message. we got to judge him by the message. Some of you are listening, thank God. Amen. If we don't judge him by the miracle, we judge him by the message. So what message do we use? 1 John 4 verse 6. We are of God. The he apostle that... John said we, the apostles, are of God. He that knoweth God and heareth us. And he that us. knows God listens to us, the apostles. He that is not of and God And he that is not, not of God won't listen to the apostles. Hereby know we the and spirit of truth. this is how we know the spirit of truth. And the spirit of error. Spirit. He said this is how you identify a false prophet. If he doesn't preach what the apostles preach, he's a false prophet. I don't care about his miracles. I don't care about his crowds. I don't care about his credentials. If he doesn't preach what the apostles preach, he's a false prophet. Galatians 1 and 8. But through, but though we, but though we, or an angel from or heaven, or an angel from heaven, even if it's Moroni, Moroni, or whatever, whatever you say that, read, read. I'm getting myself in trouble. Read. Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we I have preached. I don't care if he appears in a white flowing gown and a golden halo over his head, and he's strumming a harp. 
If he comes along and preaches to you anything other than that which we, the apostles, have already preached, let him be accursed. Don't send him your tithes and offerings. Don't follow him where he's going. I don't care about the miracle. I care about the message. The message has got to line up to the message of the apostles. So what was the message of the apostles? Get your Bible. Don't, don't, I, want, I want you to read. I want them to make sure they know I didn't just change the wording. I want you to read this out of your Bible. Acts chapter 2. Let's start with verse 37 and read. Now when they heard this. When they heard this. They were pricked, they were in, their pricked heart in their heart. And said unto Peter. And they said to Peter. And to the rest of the apostles. And to the rest of the. Of the. Now, how do we determine truth and error? By what the apostles preached. Are you with me? How do we determine a false prophet or a right prophet? It's what the apostles preached. That's how we know who's telling us the truth. These people are asking the apostles. Men and brethren, Men and brethren what shall we do? Tell me what to do. Then Peter then said unto them. Peter said unto them. Repent. Accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Then Peter said unto them, Believe on the Lord and you're forever saved. Then Peter said unto them, Sign a church card. Then Peter said unto them, Give me the right hand of fellowship. No, 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 no. We're talking about the apostles here. We're talking about the line of demarcation. We're talking about what determines truth and error. We're talking about what identifies true prophets and false prophets. And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I don't care how big the crowds are. I don't care how many miracles they're performing. If they don't preach, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and get the Holy Ghost, they're false prophets. Well, hallelujah. That's strong language, but it's Bible. I've given you Bible this morning. I, I'm not up here reading to you out of Time magazine. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Hallelujah. So I got to close. I got I to I come to a close. Ladies, come on. Try to find something to clean up all this mess I've made here. Chapters 27 to 30 of the book of Deuteronomy. Moses now begins to talk to them about, his, about their future. We've laid out for you your past. We've reminded you of where you came from. We've talked about how you've got to live right now in this present world. But I want to also let you know about what's coming. God assured Israel that they would indeed inherit the promises of God. God said, everything I've said, I'm going to do. I told you you'd go in the land, you're going into the land. I told you I would give you these cities, I'm going to give you these cities. I told you that I would defeat your enemies before you, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my word. Amen. And 
They were instructed. The people of Israel were instructed. As soon, as soon as you get into this land of promise, you are to build an altar. As soon as you get there, build you an altar. And on that altar, inscribe the words of the law. I want it to be a constant reminder and memorial to you. Now we're in the land. Now we're, we're reaping the promises of God. We've got to live like God wants us to live. We don't change now. We don't back down now. We don't start adapting to what everyone around us is doing now. Come on, it's time for the apostolic church to hear this message. Now's not the time to be looking at everybody else, seeing how they're doing it, and adapting to be more like them. Now's the time to get out the words of this law and find out God put it in this book for a reason. I've said it before. If, if all it took, if all it took for us to be saved was to accept Christ as our Savior, and then we're forever saved, no hope of ever being lost. If that's all there was to it, that could be said in one verse. And there'd be no need for an entire book. Why would God want to confuse us with all this thou shalt and thou shalt not? Why would God want to confuse us with all the things in the scriptures, in the New Testament? That lay down rules and guidelines and principles. If God doesn't expect any of that, why did he put it in this book? I have to believe it's in here because God expects us to live by it. And so chapters 28 and 29 a little glimpse of the enjoyment of the new land that, that the new land will bring. But there's also a prophecy of Israel's eventual chastening, captivity, and scattering as a nation. In fact, I went back and read it yesterday, and, and, and in it God says, you know, if, if, if you'll do these things, then I'll make you the head and if you'll do these things, if you'll live this way, if you'll obey what I tell you, I'm going to bless you in that land, and you're going to enjoy that land, and you're going to prosper in that land, if you'll do what I tell you. But if you don't, God said, I'm going to raise up a nation, and they're going to come, and they're going to carry you back into captivity. God told them that in Deuteronomy. Before Moses ever died, he warned them, if you don't get a hold of what I'm telling you, you're going to end up just like you were in Egypt. Of course, the sad thing is, they ended up just like they were in Egypt. And God raised up a nation and carried them off into captivity again. And there they were. None of that's in Deuteronomy, of course, but the prophecy was there, and it bears noting that Moses warned them that 
they could not take anything for granted. God still expects righteousness out of his people. So, chapter 30 tells the future restoration of Israel to her land. And Israel did enjoy the blessings for almost a thousand years before they were taken into captivity in Babylon. And thank God for the thousand years they had. It's a long time. But it's just sad that they had to go back into captivity. Chapters 31 to 34 give us the story of the death of Moses. Moses begins to lay out his final words to the people that he had loved and led for 40 years. And he did love them. He did. I, I, I mentioned last week, I'm sure there were times he was frustrated. I, I don't doubt for a minute that there were instances in which Moses really wondered why he ever stopped God from destroying him. There were probably moments when those thoughts crossed his mind, but the fact was he loved them. So much so that when his father-in-law came to see him, he said, Moses, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You can't sit here and counsel these people all day and all night long. You, why did he do that? He loved them. I, I heard Brother Robert Davis tell about being at Bishop Westberg's and a lot of folks thought Brother Westberg was just a mean old grizzly bear, but really, he was a bear all right. He was more teddy bear than he was grizzly. <laughs> folks didn't know that about him, but he really was. And, and Brother Davis said he was, he was uh, Brother Westberg got up in the service, and now look, I've got an evangelist here tonight, I've got a preacher here tonight, I've got to go feed him, I've got to take him. I'm not going to counsel that. There will be no counseling tonight. I'm leaving. My wife and I are leaving with this preacher. We're not going to stay here in council. Now, you know, he's got a church of 500 people. And I'm not going to stay here in council. We're leaving tonight. Understand? Your problems can wait. So boy, I mean, he just nailed it down. He said when they walked out of that office, he said, here come this young couple. And they were crying. And they said, Brother Westberg, you've got to. And Brother Westberg looked at Brother Davis and said, I'll be there in a little while. Walked on back in the office and took the time. He was more teddy bear than he was grizzly bear. I'm telling you, Moses had his moments of throwing down the, the tables of stone. He had his moments of praying and God opening the earth. But Moses loved those people. He loved them. And he gave himself for them in every way that he could. He cared about what was going on. And even though he was not personally going to go into the land of promise, he did everything possible to make sure the people he loved got to inherit that land. He knew he wasn't going, but he was going to do his best to make sure they did. And he didn't leave without first naming a successor and picking a man that was going to step into his shoes take them on from that point and lead them on into their inheritance. And so he did as he put the mantle upon Joshua. Now, a couple of final things. Go ahead and play a couple of final things and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. Read for me Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 10 and 11. And Moses commanded them saying, at the end of every seven years in the solemnity 
of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law, before, read all this law before Israel in their, hearing. in their hearing. Moses said, every seven years, every seven years, I want you to get together and I want you to read what I've written in Deuteronomy to all of Israel. I want them to hear this again every seven years. Every generation that comes on the scene, I want them to remember. Remember where they were. Remember where they are. Remember where they're going. Every generation that comes, I want them to remember what God expects of them. I want them to remember the warnings that I've issued. Every seven years, rehearse this in their hearing again. Don't ever let them forget what God has said. So then finally, Moses, at the age of 120, died. You talk about a funeral. I, I don't know anything about what kind of funeral they had, but this much I do know. God was the undertaker. You know what? I wouldn't mind a bit if God was my undertaker. I, I, it wouldn't matter to me if they never laid my body in state and folks came by and wept and brought flowers. I, you know, that if, if God, if God buried me, Israel mourned for an entire month the passing of Moses. But then they submitted themselves to the man that God brought along and allowed Joshua to actually become the leader that would take them into the promise of God. Let's stand lift our hands to the Lord this morning. Let's love him. Come on, let's, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. You know what ought to happen this morning as we as we close this service and I'm getting ready to I'm getting ready to close but what really ought to happen this morning is that every one of us ought to make a fresh commitment to God that God I'm not going to forget I will not forget where you brought me from where I'm at where I'm going I will not forget God I'm going to commit myself to you to your ways to your word I'm going to I'm going to dedicate myself like never before because I'm going somewhere I plan to get there. Why don't we all just gather around the front? Can we do that? Can we just gather around this morning? We invite our guests to join us. I'd like us just come and stand around the front as we close this service out. I know I'm a little bit over time, but but, but let's take a moment and, and just stand here around the front and and and, and let's let's just recommit ourselves to God and to His way and to His Word and, and, and ask God to help us. Don't ever let me forget God what you've done for me and how you've helped me and how you've blessed me. Don't ever let me get away from this. Don't ever let it slip out of my heart. Amen. Come on, let's, let's, let's just talk to the Lord. Can we, can we take just a moment and, and, and just ask Him to bury these truths deep in our hearts? God, I, I, I want to be with you.
I want to live the way you want me to live. God bless you. Greet one another in the fear of God. You are dismissed. In Jesus' name. Amen.